All right. Good morning, Reach Church. Good morning. All right. So if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can do that. And then uh, this. Yeah, if someone has a Ford Expedition, their alarm is going off in the parking lot. So <laughs> who's going to stand up? Yeah, that's, a <laughs> that's always a fun game. Uh, <laughs> We have a winner. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, so we are starting a new series this week uh, called Kingdom Strength. Kingdom Strength. And we are looking at uh, the strength that comes from being a follower of God, of putting your faith in God, that the, what happens to the, the person, what happens to their character when they, when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we're looking at that through the, the scope of uh, one particular believer, uh, King David. King David, uh, he's not always King David, he's not going to be King David in this story, but uh, eventually King David. And the exciting thing about King David is uh, he's this amalgamation of like these amazing attributes that we would never put together, that he's, he's the warrior poet. And he's like incredibly courageous and bold, and yet at the same time, he's incredibly emotional and deep. That he is like incredibly faithful, but at the same time, he, he makes he terribly fails, but when he does, he's, he's incredibly repentant. And he loves the glory of God. He's given this title that I think is, is probably the greatest title of, of anyone that you can receive in the scripture. He says that he's a a man after God's own heart. And that's where we've had other, the, the most humble man in the Bible, the, the most wise man, the, the man after God's own heart. That that is, is the, the greatest description that anyone could really have. And David is, is above all else, he, he's the one who qualifies for that title. And so we're going to look at this, this remarkable person with the hopes that we might, we might receive some of his wisdom, that we might embody some of that same character. But that's not the most exciting thing about David. The most exciting thing about David is that David is, more than any other person in the Old Testament history, he is the picture of Jesus. He's a picture of the, the character of Jesus and the person of Jesus. That probably more than any other, Jesus takes on the, the words of David as his own words that he fulfills the prophecies that David puts forth, that he is the better shepherd king, the better warrior poet, he is the better, the better lover of, of God and an enjoyer of his glory. And so before we start trying to be like David, we want to instead see Jesus and love Jesus and then, then be like Jesus and be like David for the glory of Jesus Christ. So that's what this Kingdom Strength series is about, seeing Jesus and, and loving him first and foremost, and then letting that transform us. So today we are looking at uh, the bold courage of David, the confidence. Now, uh, the, the obvious story here then is uh, David and Goliath. This is our introduction to uh, this, this man who would eventually become the king this shepherd boy. And we're going to see uh, three things that kind of characterize his courage and his boldness and his confidence before the Lord. First, we're going to see that he has, he has the eyes of faith. 
He's able to see what the Lord is doing, and he's able to see God in the midst of the situation. We're going to see that he has a heart for the glory of God. We've been talking about that a lot lately, but he loves the glory of God, and he fights for the glory of God. And finally, we're going to see that because of his bold courage and because of his confidence, he's able to, to do the work of salvation. Now, in all these things, we want to uh, see Jesus. So let's pray, and let's, let's ask for the Holy Spirit's help in these things. Father, we thank you for David, and we thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you that, uh, that saints have gone before us, that we can follow their example. But Father, we thank you for the types of Christ that have gone before us that we might see and enjoy and savor Jesus. Father, we ask that you would give us wisdom in applying these things to our hearts, that we would not try to be uh, a replacement for Jesus, but that we would love him and imitate him because we have, have fallen in love with his character. Father, would you help us by your spirit to, to be bold and courageous for the right things, in the right times, in the right way, that we may give you all the glory, that we may trust in the things that you are doing by faith. And ultimately, we ask that we may look to Jesus Christ as our great king, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, so first, we need to uh, set up the story here. So we're going to start with 1 Samuel 17, 4. 1 Samuel 17, 4. Uh, we're going jump, to jump through this chapter. It's super long. One time I read this in a Bible study, and I feel bad for everyone who was there. I just like, kept reading. It just kept going. Uh, so we're going to jump around a little bit. So uh, 1 Samuel 17, 4. This is the context here, that Israel and the, and the Philistines are at war. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, or nine feet and six inches. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels, or 125 pounds of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels, or 15 pounds of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him, and he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. All right, so the situation here. The Philistines and the Israelites are at war. And the way that they're going to settle this battle is that they're going to each send a champion. A champion to fight on behalf of the whole. And the Philistines have chosen for their champion, Goliath of Gath. All right, nine foot six. All right, that's, that's, that's up there. Uh, all right, has like a man's weight of, of bronze armor. That he has his, his spear and his sword. 
and he's openly defying and mocking Israel for their failure to bring a champion to the table. Now, how does, how does Saul, the king of Israel, and the people, they are dismayed and greatly afraid that each of them is, is, is stacking themselves up with Goliath, the champion, and no one wants to step out. All right. That's where, that's where we, this, the scene enters, and here comes David, the shepherd boy. He comes to the battle to, to provide food for his brothers, and he hears, he hears this very same call that Goliath has been saying this day in and day out, over and over and over, and finally David hears it, and he sees this, this champion of the Philistines, and yet what is different about David is David has, has the eyes of faith, and he's able to see the reality that God sees it. And so instead of focusing on the, the height of the giant or the armor that he's carrying or the, the size of his sword, no, what does he focus on? He, he summarizes it in verse 26. He says, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? All right, first, he doesn't see, he doesn't see first and foremost, the, the danger to himself or the... Or his, the fierceness of this bronze-covered giant. No, he sees the reproach of Israel. That this is an obstacle that needs to be fought, and who, who's going to do it? And he's sick of the fact that no one has come up to, to defend and fight for the, the reproach of Israel. And he goes on and says, For, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, why is it so easy for someone to come up against him? Because he, he sees it, the situation like this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? All right, first, first thing he sees by faith, he sees the enemy as they really stand. And so, yes, yes, he's 9'6", he's and yes, he, he has bronze armor and a sword, but no, what does he call him? He doesn't call him the great giant. He doesn't call him, he calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. Which basically means, like, he's a nobody. He's a nobody in the kingdom of God. That he has, he has no, no cut in the promises of God. He has no provision from God. That God has not put his love upon him. And so, ultimately... This is one man standing against the God of the universe, the living God of Israel. That th those are the stakes as, we, as they stand before him. Now, everyone else was, was putting themselves against Goliath. What does David, David do? David is putting the God of the universe against Goliath and saying, Wait, wh why isn't anyone going up against him? He's, he's nobody compared to the living God. And he sees the people of Israel. He sees the people of Israel, and he says, no, the people of Israel, these are not just some random people that if we choose one, then uh, I, hope, I hope he makes it. No, this is the, the people who are loved and beloved by the God of the universe. 
who aren't circumcised, proving the covenant is with them, that God is, has chosen to be with them and fight for them and defend them. And to, bear, to, to throw out and defy the armies of Israel is to defy the God of the universe. This is not something to be taken lightly. And finally, he sees, he sees the, the nature of this God that he is, he is dealing with. That this God is the God who went up against the armies of Egypt and swallowed them in the, in the Red Sea. This is the one who went up against the, the armies and, and God stopped the sun from moving across the sky so that they could fight battles for longer. This is the one who defeated Jericho by having them walk around and blow trumpets. Or who defeated armies with Israel. They just watched as the armies just went into chaos and defeated themselves. All right, he knows the, the nature of this God. And if this God loves his people and will defend his people and fight for his people, then, then what are they waiting for? Now, uh, that is one of the kingdom strengths of David. That he sees things as in, in light of, of the reality of who God is. And he doesn't ask first, like, well, how strong am I? Will I win? No, he asks first, like, has God willed me to, to win? And if he has, then yes, let's go. And he sees the, the power of God, and he sees the, the amazing glory of this God standing before him. Now, he has great boldness because of that, because he knows the God that, that is going with him and the God that is behind him. That's how we get, that's how, that's how boldness and, and courage and, that's how it goes, where it comes from. It comes from this great faith of knowing the God that, that we serve. But, all right, we'd be too hasty in saying, okay, then, you know what, you need to have, you need to have more faith. You need to have more faith, you need to see God more. Uh, go out, reach church, and go get him. No, like we said, it goes first from David to Jesus. And we say, okay, how did Jesus, how did Jesus interact with the world? Okay, he was incredibly bold. This is a man who, who scorned the religious authorities, who boldly proclaimed people's freedom from sin and, and forgiveness and, and rebuked demons and who stood before Satan and just like mocks him with passages that he might, and, and Satan is forced to flee. Who stands before the cross and, and is silent, doesn't defend himself, but, but boldly goes and is crucified. And we ask, okay, how did he get there? He had great faith. And when he stood before Pontius Pilate, what does he say? He says, you know what? You have no authority but was given to you from above. He knows there's no competition here, that if he's going to stand before Pontius Pilate, he knows that, that the only reason he's standing is there because God put him there. And he's submitting to God, not to man. And Jesus, Jesus, he, he sees the people, and we're told that he, he sees them as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That he sees the 
the scorn that is thrown upon the people of God, and he knows that he won't stand for it. He knows that God will not stand for it, that his father will not stand for it. And so he will step in and he will, he will redeem them. Now, he knows that the, the religious leaders have ultimately no power. He, he, he openly defies them because they, they do not represent the father. All right, he has great faith. He has great faith. Now, only then, because we see the, the faith of Jesus that empowers him to be bold and to be, to be courageous, all right, then we can ask, okay, how can I be like Jesus? How can I have that same faith? How can I really believe that, that the, the God who is committed to me will fight for me and will defend me and will, will go to battle with me? That's our first step towards being bold and courageous, is really really having faith. The eyes of faith to see the situation differently. All right, but that takes us to the, the second one, the second one. Uh, it'd be one thing to, to have this faith, but David not only has the faith, he has the heart behind it. He has a heart for the glory of God. He has a heart for the glory of God. That's why he's called, called the man after God's own heart, because if God has anything on his heart, it's his own glory. Now, it sounds weird. That sounds weird that God would be about his own glory. But no, God is about proclaiming his goodness and his greatness to the world and sharing his glory with humanity and wooing humanity back to worship because they know that God is more glorious than anything else. And so let's see. Let's see Paul's, or sorry, David. All all the heroes blending together. Uh, David, let's see David's heart for the glory of God. Now, first, uh, so David volunteers. He says, okay, I'll go. I'll go fight Goliath. And the natural assumption is, okay, then if you're going to fight, then you need to suit up. You need to suit up and prepare for battle. And so verse 38, Saul then clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Now, who does, who, does, who does David sound like at this point? He sounds exactly like Goliath. He's, he's wearing his bronze armor. He picked up his own sword. And that's the, that's the reality of how we often interact with the, the spiritual trials. As we just, okay, let's, let's fight them on exactly the same plane. And that's what Saul naturally assumes. That's where that's where kind of all of Israel assumes. Okay, if we're going to fight this this giant Goliath in his armor and his sword, then we need a giant with a Goliath with armor and a sword. And we got this little kid; he's willing to do it, but he still needs his armor and his sword. And what does David say? He says, he, "I cannot go with these. I have not tested them." So he put them off, and he took his staff, his shepherd's staff, in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. All right, he trades. He trades the armor for uh, a shepherd's staff and five stones and a sling. Because in the past, he didn't need those. He didn't need, he didn't need an armor and a sword. No, he, he had slayed 
lions and bears and the power of the Spirit with God's help before, he, he didn't need. He didn't need the sword anymore. And he doesn't take the sword so that he can say in verse 43 this. He walks up to Goliath and, and the Philistine, verse 43, the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? This little boy coming with his shepherd's staff. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the, beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the fields of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. All right. Why does he not take a sword with him? Why does he not put armor on? So that he can say this. So that he can say this to the, to the Goliath and to the assemblies and to all of Israel. So that no one would say that by, by the sword of David is salvation brought. So they wouldn't look at the, the armor that protected him. No, they would look at the sticks in his hand and they'd say, the Lord alone can save. And that there is a God in Israel. And that all the earth may know that, so that the assembly may know that. And there may be no question as to how salvation was achieved. It was by the Lord alone. Now, that is his heart for the glory of God. That David would trade those things and would step out so that God would get more glory in the work. Now, what am I going to tell you? Uh, I'm going to tell you then, go, go pick up a stick and go, go, fight the, go fight the giants. No, I'm going I'm to point you back to Jesus. I'm mean, going to point, point you back to Jesus and say, okay, who had a greater heart for the glory of God than Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus had, had amazing confidence. Actually, not first in himself. He could have had plenty of confidence in himself, but no, why did we, he pronounce with such authority the things that he said? Because he, he explained it. He said, because, because I'm not coming in my own authority, that I come in the authority of my Father. And I don't say anything except what my Father has told me to say. And that ultimately, I don't care what, what glory you give me or take from me. I give all the glory to the Father. And it's because he had that heart for glory that he was able to, to confidently stand before Satan in the temptations, saying, no, I, I give all the glory to God. I'm, I'm not going to bow down to you. That's why he, he rebukes the Pharisees, because they... They, in their self-righteousness and their legalism, they don't want to give God any, any responsibility for salvation. They don't need it. And that's why Jesus, 
That's why Jesus goes to fight the foe with sticks, with two logs taking on sin and Satan and all evil. He takes out his sticks and he goes to battle so that so there'd be no question before the assemblies, no question before the enemies, no question before all the earth that there is a God in Israel and there's a God who saves. All right. Jesus had, had faith not only to, to go out with the sticks, but to be crucified upon them. And to trust his salvation to, to God's salvation that would only happen by a miraculous work, more miraculous than even a, a boy defeating a giant. He did it for the glory of God the Father. Now, that, that makes us ask, okay, first, what weapons do you take with, with you to battle? Now, Jesus takes with him sticks. He takes with him the cross. All right, what weapons are your most valuable weapons? Do you take your intellect? Do you take your strength? Do you take your diligence? Do you take your righteousness? When you go to battle, what do you take with you? And we say, well, maybe, maybe it's a wisdom thing. Of course, we, we take every, every, every weapon we can. But at some point, there might be a time to put down the sword and say, you know what, I'm going to bring sticks to the battle so that God might get the glory. Because I'm more about the glory of God than I'm going to be about ensuring that I win or, or making sure it's a fair fight. I'm going to realize that it's not a fair fight because God is on my side. We about the glory of God. Now, it takes us to the last thing. This last thing that, that the courage of, of David allows him to do, and he is able to do the work of salvation. The work of salvation, verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came near and drew to David to meet him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and, took and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it from its sheath, and killed him, and cut his head off with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. All right. Now this, this is where we stop trying to be like David. That David defeated Goliath. That David, with one stone, defeated Goliath. That David, actually, with no, no sword in his hand, went and, and took the enemy's sword itself and cut his head off with it and destroyed the enemy. Now, this is unique to David. And I'm not going to tell you to go 
to go pick up your sling and, and defeat Goliath because that'd be as, as stupid as saying to all the enemy, to all the Israelites there to say, you know what, David just defeated Goliath. You better go find a Goliath and defeat him. No, that wasn't the point. The point was they have their champion. They have the one who, who won. They have the one who defeated the enemy. They didn't need to go do it. They needed to, to trust that it had already been done that the work of salvation had been done by this one who was greater than them. That while all of Israel cowered before this giant, David did not. David had faith. David had passion for the glory of God. And David did the work of salvation. Now, in the same way, in the same way, we get to choose one champion. We get to choose one champion in our fight against sin and Satan and evil. Are you going to choose you? Are you going to choose your favorite idol? Are you going to choose some other person? All right, why would you choose anything but Jesus when Jesus has already won? That's where Jesus, all right, he, he took his sticks and he mustered his faith he shaped his heart to the glory of God, and he, he died on that cross. But, that, now Satan thought that, that death was his greatest weapon. Death was the sword that, that Satan had been using to, to defeat all of his enemies, all, the, all of the prophets, all of the priests. And what did, what did Jesus do? Jesus submitted to death, and then what did he do? He took that same sword, and he used it to chop off Satan's head. That by death, he defeated sin. By death and resurrection from the dead, he defeated Satan once and for all. And this enemy that we've been fighting and we've been losing to and has been killing us, we are now washed clean from every sin. We now stand, stand freed from sin and its power there's been victory, final victory over our enemies through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. Now, you will not have to slay that Goliath. The point isn't for you to slay that Goliath. The point is to trust that Jesus did defeat that Goliath, that he already cut the head off of the serpent, that he already crushed the this, this snake's head, that he already won the battle. Now that's where, okay, your faith will fail. Your heart for the glory of God will fail. But Jesus' didn't. And you don't have to look straight to God and say, I, I hope that I can fight the Goliath no, you are like one of these soldiers. Verse 52. The men of Israel and Judah rose up with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from this place as far as Gath and Ekron. All right. What is, what's happening here? All these soldiers who used to have not enough faith 
and used to not have this passion for the glory of God and didn't trust that God could save them and didn't trust that they could be free, that didn't, didn't think they could stand against Goliath now, now they are filled with courage because their champion has won. Because their enemy has been defeated and now they rally up under the power and the leadership of that champion and they go to war. They go to war knowing that the battle has already been won, knowing that there is one who's more courageous than them who will lead them into battle. Right. That is that is who we are as Christians. We are the followers of the champion Jesus Christ. That he will lead us into battle and every battle we now wage with whatever defies the glory of God and whatever whatever mocks the love that God has for his children, whatever stands up against God, we, we fight those things, not fighting Goliath, we fight those things as soldiers who have already seen the battle won. That is our great courage. That is our boldness and our confidence. That is our hope. And we know that Jesus Christ, he, that first time, he didn't come with a sword. But he will come with a sword in the final day, and he will be victorious, and he will lead us in battle. And at that point, it will not be a fair fight that our champion will lead us to victory. Amen. Amen. All right. Any questions? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his great boldness and confidence. We thank you that he stood up against the leaders of, of Israel and the, the legalists and the self-righteous, and that he, he took them on and he defeated them. We thank you that he stood up to Satan and to sin and defeated them. We thank you that he, he stole that sword, death, and used it against our enemy. Father, we ask that we might be confident in Jesus, that whatever battle we now wage, we wage with uh, our champion ahead of us. Father, would you give us faith, and would you give us a desire to glorify the Father? But Father, we ask that it would be all under the, the completed work of Jesus. Father, we thank you for his work. We thank you that he has been victorious. Holy Spirit, shape us into people who can truly believe in the work that he's done. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name for his glory.